We are going to be continuing on in the book of Revelation this morning. We took a couple of weeks off to uh, kind of talk about our new ministry, our Into the Harvest ministry that we're about to do. Kind of give us a little bit of break because we was in some uh, heavy stuff in the book of Revelation. We will be in chapter 9 today. We will attempt, Lord willing, to make it through the whole chapter. Uh, we had uh, started in, in chapter 8. We had begun to see the wrath of God being poured out onto an unrepentant humanity. And we had saw uh, these first four uh, trumpets that had sounded, and with them came uh, horrible things that took place on the earth or will take place on the earth. Uh, when we get into chapter 9, we see two more of these uh, trumpets that are being blown. Each represent another stage of God's wrath that will take place on this earth. So we've got some heavy stuff that we're going to talk about today. We had talked about uh, a few weeks ago, we had talked about in Revelation chapter 6 and chapter 7, uh, as chapter 6 was coming to a close and going into chapter 7, I believe that if the church is raptured, that that would be the time that it would take place. Now, we've discussed this in great detail over the last few weeks. We won't go into many detail. There are, there are many uh, 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 different uh, opinions as to whether or not the church will even be raptured, uh, all of which have at least a few strong points in Scripture that would point to it. It is possible that we would be raptured up in Revelation chapter 4, that that would be the time that those who are in Jesus Christ would leave and we would be spared of all of the bad things to come. It, I believe that if we are going to be raptured, that it would take place in chapter 6. I believe like uh, that by looking at the text, that that seems like the most logical point that it would take place. Although it is still possible, as we will find reading in the book of Revelation, that there are a few clues as Christians that would lead us to believe that there may be, be, uh, still be Christians on the earth and we will be uh, here when all these things take place. Now with that said, I believe it is clear in Scripture, as we talked about a few weeks ago, that we as Christians will not experience the wrath of God. Jesus Christ took that for us on the cross. And the Bible explicitly says that those who are in Christ are spared from the wrath of God. So even if we as Christians are here for this most difficult stuff, I believe that the Bible teaches that we will be spared in some way or another. Now, I don't know what that will look like. I don't know if there will be some special protection over us. If we go back and we look at uh, in Exodus where the Israelites were uh, spared from the plagues as they came, we see a couple instances where it says that those people were spared, that they were covered, that they were protected by God, that those, uh, those things, those plagues that God sent on Israel, many of which go along with some of the same things we see in Revelation, that God's children were spared. So we have uh, evidence in Scripture that God is able to spare His people, and perhaps that will be the case in the book of Revelation. And so I wanted to get that out of the way because while I believe that the rapture is possible before this, I do believe that it is possible that we as Christians may still have to be here for this. But I do believe we'll be spared. But this is some heavy stuff that we are looking at today. We saw firsthand some heavy stuff that, that took place. We're talking about hail mixed with blood and fire coming from the sky and blazing mountains and the water source being made impure to where people were dying. We saw these crazy, intense things of God's wrath being poured out in these first four trumpets as they were blown. 
And as we saw with the seven seals as they were being broken, it appeared as though things began to get worse and worse. As each seal was broken, things become more worse in the world. And we see the same with the trumpets. As each trumpet blows, it begins to get worse and worse and worse. And after the first four trumpet, uh, trumpets blow, we begin to see the same thing happening with these next two. So we're going to attempt to get all the way through chapter 9 today. Uh, we'll read through the whole text and then we'll dig into it. We'll pray, and then we'll get in. God, we thank you for your words today, and it's difficult. Because, God, we have questions. Are we going to be here? Are we not going to be here? What does this mean? What do locusts mean, dear Lord? What do these chariots, the sounds of chariots, and the, and the smoke, and, the, and just all these crazy things that we read about, God? It leaves us questions in our mind. God, I pray that you would answer those questions today. But if we don't have the exact answer we need, God, we still believe in faith. God, I pray that you help us not to miss the point of your word. Even if we don't always understand the details, that we don't miss the point of this text today. God, and that is that you desire for us to come to repentance. That you give us every opportunity. So God, I pray that if there is one in this room that they don't miss that today. In the middle of all this horrendous and gnarly stuff that we're going to talk about, God. I pray that we don't miss your grace and miss your mercy. Because that is what your word is about. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would be among us today. That you would hide me behind the cross, dear Lord. Help each of us in here to have ears to hear. Don't let the devil bring us down today, dear Lord. He wants to sidetrack us. He don't want us to hear your word. He don't want us to hear your mercy and your grace and your repentance. So I pray that you bind the enemy from this place, God. That you help us to focus. To get our minds straight. <coughs> Not on things of the world, but on you. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. The fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth. The key to the shaft of the abyss was given to him. He opened the shaft of the abyss, and smoke came up out of the shaft like smoke from a great furnace so that the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the shaft. Then locusts came out of the smoke onto the earth, and power was given to them, like the power that scorpions have on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth, or any green plant, or any tree, but only people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. They were not permitted to kill them, but were to torment them for five months. Their torment is like the torment caused by a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. The appearance of the locusts was like horses equipped for battle. Something like gold crowns was on their heads. Their faces were like men's faces. They had hair like women's hair. They, their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had chest like iron breastplates. The sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses rushing into battle. And they had tails with stingers like scorpions so that with their tails they had the power to harm people for five months. They had as their king the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he has the name Apollyon. The first woe has passed, there are still two more woes to come after this. 
The sixth angel blew his trumpet from the four horns of the gold altar, that is, before God. I heard a voice say to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who were prepared for the day, or excuse me, for the hour, day, month, and year were released to kill a third of the human race. The number of mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. This is how I saw the horses in my vision. The horsemen had breastplates. They were fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. The heads of the horses were like lions. The heads of the horses were like lions' heads, and from their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of the human race was killed by these plagues, by the fire, the smoke, and the sulfur that came from their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails, which resemble snakes, have heads, and they inflict injury with them. The rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. To stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, which are not able to see, hear, or walk. And they did not repent of their murders, their sorceries, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Now that's some heavy stuff, church. We need to listen to what God's Word is telling us. God is, is letting us know what is going to take place in the years to come. God is letting us know that we who have not escaped wrath by accepting Jesus Christ, this is what we will experience. If anyone in this room has not accepted Jesus Christ, this is what you have to look forward to. It is not a pretty picture. It is not going to be a pretty place. There are some difficult things in this text, and I'll tell you guys right now, I'm going to say I don't know a lot today because there's a lot of this stuff I just don't know. I wish I could stand here and tell you what every bit of it meant, but I don't, I don't know. But we'll get to what I think the point of the text is. But let's start with verse 1. The fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth. Now there are many different views of Revelation. One popular view of Revelation, and this could be true, is that all of these things that, that, that uh, John is describing here are things that he is not familiar with. He is seeing uh, weapons of modern warfare. That is, he's seeing things of our day and time, but he has to compare them to things of his day and time. And what he is seeing is actually a modern war based on modern equipment, and these descriptions of these things that he has given have to do with modern warfare. That could be the case. I don't know. I believe that these things, a lot of them I believe are literal, but some of them could be uh, symbolic. We know that the book of Revelation is full of symbols. Some would say that this fallen star may represent some kind of a nuclear weapon, some kind of bomb that's going to cause mass destruction and a, a cloud of smoke to go up into the, the sky, and that's going to start even more and more worse warlike things that we take place. Some would say that that's what this is. I don't believe that that's what this is. I believe that the star that had fallen that John sees here is none other than Satan himself. Now Jesus says in the scripture that he saw Satan fall from heaven. It doesn't say that John is seeing this star fall. This star had already fallen. And we see that 
uh, reference in, in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, we see that same reference to Jesus, or excuse me, to Satan, I apologize. We see it in Isaiah chapter 14. If you want to flip with me there, we'll read. Here's a reference of what I believe is, is Satan that we see in the Old Testament and talking about his fall from heaven. Isaiah chapter 14, if you have a Bible, you can look. If not, you can just listen close. Just going to read a couple of verses here. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. I believe that these verses are talking about Satan and what caused him to fall. Now, he is referred to as a shining morning star in verse 12. Shining morning star, how you have fallen from the heavens, you destroyer of nations. You have been cut down to the ground. You said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Now, I believe those verses are talking about the devil. I believe that those verses go hand in hand with what we see being talked about in the book of Revelation. We see in Isaiah, in the reference, we see this person, this being referred to as the destroyer. We see in the New Testament that uh, the Bible tells us that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We see this, this figure, this being that's coming down, this star that had fallen to the earth is about to cause massive and major destruction upon the earth. I believe this is none other than Satan who is being unleashed. And it's going to get really bad. Before this point, we had saw uh, these uh, trumpets that had been blown and this wrath that had been poured out. It seemed as though it came firsthand from God, is that God is the one who sent out that wrath in those first four trumpets. But now we see God's wrath being poured out uh, through Satan. And that is in the sense that God is just uh, stepping back out of the equation. And Satan is getting his way, and as a result of that, those who rejected Jesus Christ are experiencing God's wrath because God is gone. I believe that is part of what God's wrath is, and that is the absence of God. Because with the absence of God comes the absence of mercy and the absence of grace. And we live in a world, in a society today, where everybody says, let's get rid of God. We want to get rid of God. Let's take Him out of school. Let's not pray in public places. Let's not have God anywhere. Let's not be able to read the Bible. We don't want to have anything to do with God. We don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. We want to keep living in our sin. We want to keep doing our own thing. And I believe that the book of Revelation is pointing to a day where God is going to say, you want me gone, I'm going to be gone. And when we are apart from God, there is no grace, there is no mercy, there is no hope, there is only evil. There is only Satan, there is only destruction, and his whole desire is to kill and to steal and to destroy. And I believe that's what we see taking place right here. This fallen star is Satan who has come to destroy the world. The key to the shaft of the abyss was given to him. So this one who had fallen... He didn't have all authority. He didn't have the key. He wasn't in possession. He wasn't in control. It was something that had to be given to him. Now, God has been patient for many years. God has put up with a lot of stuff, but God has a plan that is set into place that is going to take place in these end times. And here we have been reading for the last few verses and chapters, and we begin to see that plan unfold. And part of that plan is going to be this unleashing of unimaginable evil. This key was given to the one who had fallen. This key was given to what I believe is Satan to open up the abyss, to open up the bottomless pit. 
That's a place where we see in Scripture uh, that demons are. We see that when uh, Jesus cast the demons out of, out of the guy in the New Testament, that they, that they beg him not to cast them into the bottomless pit. Don't send them into the abyss, as some translations would say. So I believe what we see unleashed here is something that is demonic, something that is unimaginable. And we, we see these things. Our culture, I think, has become numb to uh, demons and things like that because we see movies about demon possessions. And people say, oh, that's just fiction. That's just movie. That's not real. The Bible says otherwise. The Bible says these demon possessions and these things that take place that are horrific, the Bible says these things are real. And I believe that may be what we see released from this abyss. The key to the shaft of the abyss was given to him. He opened the shaft of the abyss and smoke came up out of the shaft like smoke from a great furnace so that the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the shaft. We've seen this a couple of times, a theme in the book of Revelations once we begin to see the seals opened and, and the trumpets blown. We, we already saw that a large portion of the earth was darkened. We saw a third of the day and night. In Revelation chapter 8 verse 12, a third of the day and night was without light. And now we see when this abyss is open that so much smoke comes into the air that it brings darkness. I think that's a good illustration spiritually of what the world will be like. When God begins to come out of things, things begin to get dark. When the devil begins to have his way, when evil begins to come and, and, and God is taken out of everything, we begin to see that we are living in darkness. God is the light spiritually, but we see in a physical sense that when uh, God begins to bring wrath and evil begins to come, that we begin to see a darkness come over the earth. We've seen this a couple of times at this point in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> the air was darkened by the smoke from the shaft. Then locusts came out of the smoke onto the earth, and power was given to them like the power that scorpions have on the earth. Now, were these literal locusts? Was this some kind of symbolic thing? I don't know. There are many who would say that these locusts represent some demonic uh, spirit that will come and plague the people of the earth. That could be the case. It could be some kind of demonic thing that comes and begins to possess people and begins to bring anguish upon people. could be that. It could be literal physical locust it could be real locust that's not an unheard of thing and uh, throughout uh, the scripture that we see god bring judgment or punishment on people by the locust coming in i don't know if these are real locusts or if these are demonic spirits but what i do know is it's going to be a bad time whatever these things that that john is talking about that he refers to as locust it's going to be a difficult time The locusts came out of the smoke onto the earth, and power was given to them like the power that scorpions have on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. So they were going to harm everybody except for those sealed by God. Now this is a verse that kind of causes problem because if all those who are in Christ have been resurrected, uh, have been uh, ascended to heaven, have been redeemed, have been raptured up, then who are these who are still on the earth who are sealed? Well, we saw the seal talked about earlier in Revelation chapter 7. Some would say that those sealed are the, the Jewish people, God's people, God, uh, Israel. 
and that they are still going to be here and the rest of the church is going to be raptured up. Perhaps that's the case. Some would hold the view that the sealed, the 144,000 that we saw in Revelation chapter 7, represents the church as a whole. If that's the case, then the church is going to be here. But here's the, here's the good part, is that those who are sealed, whether it is those of Israel or whether it is representative of the whole church, they are not harmed by the tactics of the devil. They can't be harmed. God's protection is over them, similar to what we see in the book of Exodus with the Israelites. And so there are those who are sealed who are still going to be on the earth in this time. Again, I'm not sure exactly who those represent. But what we can know is that God protects those who are His. They were not permitted to kill them, but were to torment them for five months. Their torment is like the torment caused by a scorpion when it strikes a man. Could you imagine for five months being tormented by these locusts? Especially if it's demonic. Could you imagine with Satan having full reign and God not intervening and Satan sending out his minions out into the world to do their damage? Can you imagine the evil and the anguish and the suffering and the pain that's going to take place? If it's literal, physical locusts, could you imagine locusts that aren't eating the trees and the plants, which locusts typically do, but their main focus is to bring misery to those who have not accepted Jesus Christ, those who are man on the earth who have rejected Jesus Christ and are facing God's wrath because of such. Can you imagine the agony for five months? Locusts flying in your mouth, crawling all over you. You probably couldn't sleep. You couldn't eat. You'd probably have sores. Who knows how agonizing that would be? You say, that's scary. It is scary. That's why we need to listen. Because God could have left us here all alone to fend for ourselves. He could have just sent His wrath. He could have not warned us. He could have not sent Jesus. But He did send Jesus. He did give us His word. He did warn us of these things so that we can turn, so that we can repent, so that we won't continue to live in our sinfulness, so that we won't experience the wrath that He is pouring out. They were not permitted to kill them, but were to torment them for five months. Their torment is like the torment caused by scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days... People will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. <clears throat> Could you imagine after a few days, a couple months of this torment, you just want to die? The Bible says they won't be able to die. They will seek death and it will flee from them. They will face this wrath and this torment in its totality. Because they have rejected God. And they have rejected Jesus Christ. The appearance of the locusts was like horses equipped for battle. Something like gold crowns was on their heads. Their faces were like, like men's faces. They had hair like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had chests like iron breastplates. The sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses rushing into battle. And they had tails with stingers like scorpions so that with their tails they had the power to harm people for five months. Now that's pretty intense. That's kind of some weird sounding stuff, honestly. I mean, 
If he's a real literal locust, can you imagine a locust with a breastplate and a man's face and lion's teeth and women's hair? Like, that's a pretty gnarly thing. It could very well be. As crazy as that is to think about, maybe it is. I do believe that this uh, imagery that, that John is using here is symbolic, but I'm not sure what it's symbolic of. Perhaps it does represent some modern-day military equipment. Perhaps he's talking about some helicopters. They're noisy, sound like chariots, have guns on them. A lot of times you see helicopters have guns on their tails. Uh, perhaps that's what he's talking about. I don't know what kind of locust he's talking about, whether it's literal, just weird, gnarly-looking locust, or whether it's modern-day war, or whether it's demonic. But whatever he's talking about, it's not a pretty picture. They had as their king the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek, he has the same name, or excuse me, has the name Apollyon. The first woe has passed. There are still two more woes to come after this. So it would appear as though these locusts, they have a leader who would have been in the pit in the abyss with them. He is the one over them. I do not believe that this is the same one that is talked about, the one who had fallen. I don't believe it's Satan, although it could be. But it would appear as though there is one higher-ranking demon, one higher-ranking uh, evil spirit that comes from this abyss who is over these locusts. Let's read on a little further. The sixth trumpet. Uh, verse 13. The sixth angel blew his trumpet from the four horns of the gold altar. That is before God. I heard a voice say to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who were prepared for the hour, day, month, and year were released to kill a third of the human race. Now here we see God's plan uh, beginning to unfold. There had been four angels who for a period of time, who knows how long, uh, they had been bound at the river Euphrates for this time. I do not believe these were good angels. I believe these were, these were evil beings that were being held. And their goal obviously is to bring into destruction and to kill people. And these, these evil ones were released from the river Euphrates at this point in time to cause destruction. The number of mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. Now we have kind of a shift here. We're talking about four angels that were released, and now all of a sudden we're talking about a large number of troops. 200 million. That's a lot of troops. I was curious this, this, this week, like, as I was looking, I was thinking, man, how many, like, if you, if you added up all the armies of all the troops in the world, like, how many troops would you come up with? Well, you don't come up with 200 million at this point. It's a long way from it. Now, some would say China has a, a two million man army, but at this point, they don't claim to have that many, although maybe they do. So it begs the question, is John talking about a literal 200 million troops that are going to come here, ready to attack, ready to wreak havoc in the end times? Is this symbolic? It could be that in the end times that there are many people who join into this world and the, the ranks of the wars uh, of the armies of the world, uh, they go rapidly. I mean, there are billions of people in the world. So if a lot of people were called into battle at once or begin to fight in battle and become part of an army, it could rise to 200 million fairly quickly. There was another thought that I came across this week as I was studying, another enemy that could, that could number 200 million, and that is... Radical Islam. We see ISIS. We see these Muslims 
I believe they're all radical, but the numbers would say only 10 to 15% are radical. But there's 1.6 billion Muslims in the world today. Even if 10% of them were those that are radical, ready to go out and do all this evil stuff that we see, that's 160 million. It could be that the Bible is pointing toward what we're seeing take place now. Maybe ISIS is this large enemy that is spread all throughout the world that is causing havoc, that's going to cause havoc more and more so as we see this, uh, these end times come to be. I don't know who these 200 million are, but it's going to be intense. Because if you can imagine a battle with 200 million soldiers fighting, that is going to be some bloodshed. I heard their number. This is how I saw the horses in my vision. The horsemen had breastplates that were fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. The heads of the horses were like lions' heads, and from their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. Now again, are these literal horses that these troops are riding on? I don't have a clue. You could argue the point that perhaps, perhaps what he's seeing here is tanks. He's seeing tanks with long cannons and shooting big old cannonballs and, 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 and clouds of smoke are coming, and that's what John is seeing here. You could, you could very much make a strong case that, hey, this kind of sounds like a tank. You could imagine a gunman being at the back of a tank with a smaller tank, inflicting a more damage with its tail. And you could imagine if there were armies upon armies fighting each other and tanks going off and guns being shot, that a large portion of the earth could be killed very quickly. So perhaps John is seeing what we would call modern-day war equipment. Perhaps it's something else. Perhaps it has something to do with the same demonic locus. Maybe it's a, a demonic spirit. I believe that in this case, the 200 member, uh, million, I believe that it's a literal 200 million. I think it's real people who are out to, to cause war and wreak havoc. But I don't know. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, and their tails which resemble snakes have heads, and they inflict injury with them. Now, up to this point, we've seen some gnarly stuff, and you've heard me say I don't know a lot. What I do know is this. It's going to be bad times, and here's what I think the point is of this text in these last few verses. The rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands to stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, which are not able to see, hear, or walk. Now first we see locusts that come, and they bring a lot of torment to the people. And even in all this torment, nobody dies, but even in all this torment, the people still fail to acknowledge the Lord. We see it progress. Then we see a large amount of humanity that is killed as the sixth trumpet is blown. And people still refuse to repent of their sinfulness. And all that has taken place up to this point in the book of Revelation, and all that has taken place in the wrath that has been poured out upon an unrepentant humanity, they still refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. They still refuse to seek God because their hearts have become so hard that they would rather seek worshiping the demons, the very ones that I believe is causing them conflict. It is the devil. 
He's causing this agony. He's causing this anguish. He is the one. The evil angels who have been unleashed at the river Euphrates, they are the ones who are causing this pain to be inflicted. And God is allowing it to happen. And these people are refusing to worship God. They would rather worship the demons. And they would rather worship the idols. He goes on to say in verse 21, And they did not repent of their murders, their sorceries, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Now, there are a lot of sins. It mentions a few here that are specific. I think that these are possibly listed as specific for a reason. I think this is giving us a preview of what this world's going to be like. We see a lot of these things that are going on in our world today, but I think it's gonna, uh, it, we're going to see more and more of it in this time. Imagine the scene, if you would, for a second. The world is going to be in mass chaos. There is going to be massive wars. There is going to be bloodshed that you cannot imagine. I don't think there's going to be anything that's going to have any value. You're just going to be hoping to survive, trying to find food where you can and shelter where you can. And these are people that are not going to be Christians. They're just living for themselves. And you can imagine the murder and the theft. Somebody has something you want, you just take it from them, you kill them. The sexual immorality, we see that running rampant in our society today. And I think we will see that escalated because these people have hardened their hearts to the Lord so much that they would rather die in their sin than seek the Lord in forgiveness. What I think we see here in Revelation chapter 9 is I think we see God's patience in the midst of His punishment. Now, I may be wrong, but I believe, I believe that these people could repent if they wanted to. It appears as though, by the way that John writes it, that these people still have the opportunity, but they choose not to. I believe that's why we see a progression of these evil atrocities and God's wrath being poured out upon an unrepentant humanity. I believe that God is progressing because He's given people every possible opportunity that there is. And people refuse to turn from their sinfulness. Maybe it's that these people can't be saved. Maybe it's that while repentance is there, even if they wanted to, they couldn't because their heart has become so hard that it's possible. But they can't do it. They can't bring their heart to do it. I don't know which one of those are true. Maybe they can accept repentance at that time. Maybe they can't. I don't know about those people that are coming in the future. But here's what I do know. I know about you. And I don't know that you can repent from your sins and turn to the Lord at that day, but I know you can today. Isaiah chapter 55 tells us that we need to seek the Lord while He may be found. That we need to come to Him while He is near. I don't know how near the Lord's going to be to these people in these days, but I guarantee you the Lord is here today. And the Lord is calling to anyone in this room has, who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and who has not repented to repent of your sinfulness. We look at these people and we say, how stupid do you have to be? 
All these things happen and God's trying to get their attention and God's trying to get their attention, I believe, and they miss it. They don't care. They would rather live in their sinfulness. Stupid, foolish people. Now let's look at ourselves. How many times do we live in sin and it's okay? I can live in a little sin. I can live in a little foolishness. I'll repent later. I'll repent later. Later may be too late. But it's not too late today. I want to read one more verse to you. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I read this verse a lot, but man, it's a good verse. The Lord does not delay His promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Boy, in my opinion, I think that sums up Revelation chapter 9 as good as you can. God gives us these words to warn us. God is patient. You say, why does God let all this evil and stuff happen in the world? Because He is patient. Because He wants everyone to turn to Him. It's not going to be the case. There will be some that are rejected. But I don't want any of you to be some of those. Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting you of some sin in your life and you realize, look, you've been just jumping through hoops. You've been going to church. You've been saying the right things, but your heart is far from the Lord. And today is the day that you need to repent. Because when you call on the Lord, when you call on Jesus Christ to forgive you, He will do so. But you have to be willing to turn from your sinfulness to His grace. Let's pray. God, we thank You for this text today. God, it is a lot for us to think about, a lot for us to soak in. We saw some, some crazy stuff this morning. God, I pray that you would help us to understand and be able to kind of make heads and tails of some of this crazy wording and stuff we hear. But if we don't, God, help us to be repentant of our sinfulness. Help us to seek you and your forgiveness. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict anyone in this room that does not know you. God, even, God, even the ones, if, if, if there's anybody in here that's been daydreaming or lollygagging or had their mind on another thing, God, I pray that even at this moment that you would not allow them to miss you, that you would just put something in their heart, in their mind, that you would let them seek you today. I ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.